Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Pep Talk, the Persuasive Evangelism Podcast. I'm Andy Bannister from the Solar Centre for Public Christianity, and I'm joined today not by my usual partner in crime, Christy Bear is off doing something Anglican somewhere, uh, but I'm joined by the the absolutely brilliant uh, Claire Williams. If you follow our short answers videos and those things, you'll have seen Claire there. She's also done webinars for us. First time though on the podcast, Claire, welcome to Pep Talk. Thank you, Andy. Thank you for letting a Pentecostal come to your podcast, not an Anglican. Oh, oh my <laughs> word. Oh, my word. There's no, no, no jokes at all. But um, before we introduce our, <laughs> our, our, uh, our brilliant guest, uh, Claire, for those who haven't caught up with you on some of the other stuff that you've, you've done for us at Solas, which we hugely appreciate, in perhaps 30 seconds, who is Claire Williams? Who, who are you? What do you do? Okay, so I run a ministry called Get Real. So you can find me on Instagram, Get Real Three Two One, and it's about looking at people's questions and objections to the Christian faith, but particularly around questions of race uh, for the Black British community. Um, can we um, engage with the questions that young people have, especially around um, race and racial justice? Fantastic. Well, we have an amazing uh, guest with us today. I mean, Claire, you and I can have an ama- a fantastic conversation. We'll have you as a <laughs> as a, like a proper guest on, not just a co presenter on Pep Talk sometime. But we are joined by actually actually an old friend of the podcast because it, it, it's. I think you are the first person uh, to be on the podcast a second time. Mary Jo Sharp. Mary Jo, welcome back to Pep Talk. Hey, it's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, of course, the reason we got you back a second time is you you committed all kinds of heresies the first time and there were complaints. So we figured lightning can't strike. (laughs) Obviously, obviously, we're going to have to correct all of that. But for people who didn't catch you the first time, maybe the same question to you that I just put to to Claire. In perhaps 30 seconds, who are you? What do you do? A bit of your story, because your story is quite an interesting one. We covered that perhaps in more detail on on the previous podcast. But for people new to the Mary Jo experience, who are you? Ah, yeah. So I'm a um, former atheist from the Pacific Northwest of the United States, and I became a Christian in college. And after becoming a Christian and like getting involved with ministry, I had some doubt about um, Christianity in general and, and my faith, definitely. And so that led me into uh, looking for answers to questions that I had. And it, it drew me into this field of apologetics, which now um, I have, I'm a professor of apologetics. And I also have a ministry called Confident Christianity, in which I engage people um, in the hard questions of faith. I do a lot of training and dialogue there. Okay, Mary Jo, thank you for that. I was really interested to hear your backgrounds. And I'm sure we'll maybe have a few more questions about this later. But you said that. Um, you're a professor of apologetics and, you know, sometimes people don't think that there are credible reasons to, 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 to be, be a Christian. But I've heard increasingly people saying that apologetics as a discipline is actually a harmful one. What would you say to that? Yeah, that's that's a really good one. Um, that that it's like apologetics is like anything else. Um, it is a tool that we use. Uh, within Christianity. So, you know, it's like theology or philosophy. Um, and the, the practice of apologetics can, is done by people. And so you, you, when you say apologetics is harmful, you have to go back to well, what's causing the harm. It is a personality that's utilizing apologetics in a way that's maybe weaponizing it rather than using it uh, to communicate truth in love. You know, so there's this, there's this admonition in first Peter three fifteen to say that says, um, yeah, that we indeed are to be ready to give an answer for the reason of our hope, but that we have to do it with gentleness and respect. And if you keep, if you keep going in that passage, it's, 
it's about not bringing uh, suffering on ourselves for the way that we're behaving, right? So uh, I think that's important to remember. Um, and then Paul's admonition in 1 Corinthians 13 that he says, uh, if we have all knowledge and the faith that can move mountains, but we don't have love, he says, I am nothing. Right? That's so important to remember. And I think that's what people are, they're noticing that sometimes people use apologetics in ways that can be um, weaponized, aggressive, um, instead of in love and for the sake of others. Mm. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. That great mandate, First Peter 3.15. I think that's, um, that's, that's really helpful. I'm, one of the things I've been fascinated as, as well by Mary Jo is obviously your own story. And we talked more about this, I think, last time you were on the, on the show, that coming to faith from, from an atheistic background, which gives you a, perhaps an interesting perspective on things. Now, and we'll talk about a bit, this a bit more in a moment, you're, you've been working more recently on resources for young people and, and apologetics. What are some of the, what are some of the questions that you, you see out there in culture right now? Are they the kind of same ones that people have always been asking about faith and that in terms of apologetics, we've always had to deal with Christians as with as Christians? Are the nature of the questions changing a bit in today's world? What are some of the things that, that you've seen from taking that long view that you've uh, as you've been you know in this in this ministry for a while now? Yeah, let me focus on like what they're asking today. Um, so when we. I worked on a project called Darkroom, and it's an apologetics video series. And so to begin that, we actually did somewhat of a casting call for Gen Z stories. And so we have students telling us exactly what they were struggling with. And some of the things that they communicated to us were that they're struggling with the issue of identity. Uh, They struggle a lot with how love is portrayed in Western culture that it's really, there's a line drawn very closely to sexuality with love instead of like the unconditional love of God. So they're struggling with what it means to love, um, who they are. They, the one that's interesting to me is they're really struggling with the purpose of church, especially seeing um, people deconvert in the deconstruction movement. They're wondering, what is church for? Why should I be there? So that one is uh, sort of not new because we have struggled with that, but it's newer for them is what is the purpose of this? How, how, what is, you know, like as a Christian, is this relevant to me? Do I need to be in church? Do I need to be a part of a community? And then the sort of throwback ones, they're still dealing with pain and suffering and the problem of evil. And they're still struggling with the um, intersection of science and faith. Do they go together or are they separate? Those are some of them. Yeah. Do you think that um, with the whole, deconstruction piece is there a place i i often hear young people talking about deconstructing their faith and the the role of doubt in that where do you think do you think doubt is you know a dirty word all christians should avoid Mm. or or is it is there a place for it in someone working out their faith yeah i think there's definitely a place for doubt uh I myself had to work through um, my own doubts and it led me to a stronger faith. It led me to better answers. That's not always where it goes. I don't don't want to make it sound that way, but um, I think it's part of the maturing process of becoming a Christian, because especially if you're raised in the church when you're younger, you trust in the authorities in your life. You trust in your parents. You trust in what they're telling you in the church. But as you grow older, you need to become your own person, right? You need to think for Mm -hmm. yourself. And so doubt is part of saying, do I believe the things that I have been taught? And if so, why do I believe that? And then making those beliefs, those ideas your own. 
Uh, so I think doubt is actually more a part of the maturing in Christ process, growing up into your own faith. Um, of course, as you mentioned, there is a side where doubt can lead away from the faith. And um, so you want to make sure that you are engaging these doubts. Like you're questioning, why am I having doubts? Uh, Dallas Willard talked about that. You should be willing to believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts, um, as well as doubt your beliefs and uh, believe your doubts. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. And I think what's interesting in that, um, I think this goes for, for you folks too, but I was struck by how often when I talk to some people who've gone through, you know, the deconversion process where they talk about having left their faith, how often, Mary Jo, there'll be, you know, you'll press into that and it'll be they had a question, they had an issue, and there wasn't space in the church to ask it. I've lost track of how often that's been that's been the case. Um and somehow I think we've got to try and do a slightly better job, haven't we, in the in the church of why you say not not just put energy behind every doubt and go, gosh, you've got a tiny little doubt, it's all over. But how do you create a space where you can say, it's okay, it's okay to ask questions, it's okay to to have a doubt, it's okay to not understand stuff. These say that's part of discipleship, it's part of growing up, um, it's part of becoming a more well-rounded Christian. But I think churches can sometimes be afraid of, you know, the person who puts their hand up at the back and asks the annoying question. <laughs> that would be me. I wasn't looking <laughs> at you, honestly. <laughs> That's me. Um, and I was a pastor's wife, so they're like, no, don't ask that. Um, that that's so important. You know, as a I have a background in education in the public schools in the United States, and so I have an undergrad degree in education. And one of the things that we stress so often is creating a safe place for students to encounter ideas and that is so important for a student to grow in knowledge. And that's something that the church needs to adopt as well, is that we are a safe place for students to encounter right. these ideas and uh, not not make the ideas big, bad and scary, but just saying, hey, we need to encounter these with you. And we ourselves are on this journey of learning alongside you. And I think, you know, that's really important is that students see in leaders that they are lifelong learners that they are saying like, this is what I believe. I'm open to correction. I'm open to being wrong because, you know, I'm just a human too. So, and I'm learning uh, along with you as the students. So that those are like important parts of what we can do at our church, be a learner ourselves as leaders, and then create that environment where it's safe to learn, where it's exciting to learn. Mm-hmm. I think the whole transparency piece is really big at the moment. I think as that you know i'm looking on social media and seeing people you know do videos and responses about the church and how you know we need to kind of get rid of it because of scandals and the fall from great all the things that happen um transparency is a real way forward um so mary joe i had a i had a look at some of the episodes of the dark room and i was like this is amazing <laughs> it's so good i just wanted to ask you about um the there's an episode about I think it's called My Deconversion, where a young person is talking about seeing clips online of other people talking about their deconversion. Um, what would you say, you know, the average Christian youth leader, church worker, parent needs to know about how kind of, I guess, theology is being discussed in social on, on social mm. media? And like, I see lots of TikTok videos and people clapping back on the TikTok videos and remixing and just this kind of, ongoing quest for knowledge and well the bible really says this or those kind of videos that go around what 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 can we do how can we be aware of it how can we um 
yeah, engage young people where they are because that's where they're going to for answers. They're not coming this is, unless we make the space. That's where they're going to for answers. Yeah, um, so many things that we can do. Um, we need to help students navigate what they're seeing online. And you, you know, you brought up the um, the episode that we did on doubt, which is my deconversion, where it, it directly addresses that they're seeing these kinds of things. Um, a couple of things we need to help them understand is uh, that there's a lot of pseudo intellectualism online. Right, and these right. are not experts uh, in the field. These are people who are speaking out of their own experience, which is fine. But at the same mm-hmm. time, who is that person that is telling you about theology? Is it, you know, somebody, is it Thomas Aquinas who gave his whole life to studying <laughs> theology? Or is it somebody right. <laughs> who had a poor experience in the church and is now looking for, you know, sort of the answers to why are people so, uh, you know, aggressive or belligerent in the church? And so their motive is to absolutely deconstruct things instead of to say, hey, I wonder if this is true or why it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's hard for students to encounter because we don't teach them about like sort of the intersection of um, truth and motive, like how we or knowledge and motive, I guess would be a better way to say that. How, why is a person looking at things this way? And, you know, you got to remember that there are people who have been hurt in the church who are actively seeking to, um, you know, to combat that hurt and to deal with that. Now, I don't want to make it sound like everybody who's questioning the Bible is hurting from the church because that wouldn't be true. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there's that pseudo pseudo intellectualism going on. We should be going to experts and commentators and things like that. So as a church, we can help our students by saying, what are you seeing online? Bring it to us. We'd like to engage it with you. We'd like to see what people are saying. So when you hear something, please bring it on in and then not getting defensive when they bring it in, right? Not being um, (laughs) defensive when we hear something because your kids are going to bring stuff in that you've never studied. Um, I've, I get asked questions all the time in front of audiences where I don't know, cause I haven't encountered that minute piece of scripture from the old Testament in a long time, you know, like some people throw stuff at me, yeah. just tell people, yeah, I've, I've not studied that. I don't know. Let's, let's find out together. Mm. We've, um, so we talked a bit about this, uh, this, this great resource that, uh, you've been working on dark room and, uh, so one of the things I like about that, I think, I believe you said it's free, which is a word I always I always, uh, I always like, you know, so as, as someone who's in ministry, the word free is always attractive. Um, but tell us, so how could people get hold of that, Mary Jo? But more particularly, I will obviously put a link in the, in the, in the show notes too. How do people use that? Because there's so many resources out there. Sometimes I think as, you know, as, as, as church leaders, youth leaders, we could be overwhelmed by an embarrassment of riches actually, don't know where to start. So we'll put a link to the show, in the show notes, the dark room, but then what can people do with it? How do they, how do they get the most use out of it with, with their young people. Yeah. Thank you. It's um, yeah. So it is free. So all you'd have to do is go to the website and enter in your email and you get access to a full set of curriculum that goes with these 14 videos that we've made. And these videos, thank you, Claire, for mentioning um, them, that they are real, they're excellent. Like we paid attention to the aesthetic quality because we know that in order to grab students' attention, you need to be excellent in the medium that you're using. So um, we've got a group called Ox Creates, and they did an amazing world-class production on our videos. So you use the videos with the group, 
Um, and then there's a study guide for the students for them to fill out and to engage. And then there's leaders, leader guides for you to lead uh, each. And it goes through each session. And it'll give you just kind of I call it plug and play on some of the subjects, like on the subject of suffering. I would probably study a little bit, <laughs> study <Yeah>. the resources because <laughs> we give so many resources in there as well. There's extra you can go as deep as you want. And we introduce you to a lot of different thinkers. Um, so you can have that background to be able to use the leader guide and then to help guide your students through their study guide. Plus, there's a bunch of social media stuff on there. So you can just grab social media and throw it on your Instagram. Like, this is what we're doing next week, at, you know, at church group. And so that's how to use it. And uh, yeah, we're just really excited that we are able to make it available for free. Mm -hmm. That is such a blessing. I uh, recently hung up my hat of youth work, to be honest. Um, I still do um, obviously speaking engagements around it, but actually in within my church, I've just said this is enough now. But yes, I, I salute all the youth leaders and I think um, the resource looks really, really good. What has been the <clears throat> response from young people or from youth workers? What have, what have kind of the, some of the feedback been? Yeah, so the, the idea of grabbing their attention has been um, one of the feedback statements that we've been given is just like, wow, this is really holding their attention. Uh, another thing is like, this is framed in the way that the students would say things. So mm -hmm. in, in the videos, there's a narrative that was based on a real Gen Z narrative somewhere in the world. And mm -hmm. then there's a, um, you know, the expert commentary, but as far as the Gen Z narrative goes, it's actually their words. So right. we were, we're trying to present it in the way that they would present it, which Actually, it's kind of hard for me because sometimes I, I was like, no, that's not how I would say it, but I'm not Gen Z. So obviously, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the culture changes and the words that they use to explain things change. So that I, I think just and having just sort of answers that are invitational to students where they don't feel like the church is sort of shoving this down their throat, but actually bringing them into the conversation and giving them sort of a hot second to think about mm -hmm. the subject before yeah. you engage in the conversation with the students. I think that was one of the things that youth ministers really appreciated as well as the students is that it, it let them think about it before we go into having this long conversation or this discussion about, well, what are some of the answers to that? Mm -hmm. That's, um, that's really helpful. I guess the, um, the other side of this as well, I'm, I, I've been thinking about as well, of course, is the whole question of how we how we help, you know, students deal with the doubts and the questions they have. But there's also the question, of course, how we help them deal with the doubts and questions that their, their friends raise. You know, it's one thing to, to raise this question in the context of church, nothing to be at school, university, whatever. And, and then there are your friends out there who are raising these kind of issues. And I know for some young people, actually not just young people, many Christians that can shut them down from you know, talking more about their faith because they're afraid of what's going to get flung at them. Um, what kind of experience, what kind of thinking have you, have you, have you done, Mary Jo, about how you then almost in a sense not just help the young people we're dealing with answer their own questions but then be ready to engage with the questions of others with, with confidence, with confident Christianity, which is a great title. By the way, we love that title too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's what my last pep talk with you guys was about, was um, how we have conversational sort of evangelism. Yeah. And um, yeah, for young people, the, the series really stresses, and I stress that you should really love the person first and where they're at in life and just truly try to understand where they're coming from and their point of view and then find points of commonality with them. 
I think a lot of times we portray evangelism as an us versus them. Like, hey, we're saved. They're not. But the thing is, we're all God's creation. Mm -hmm. So there's commonality that we have with others. In fact, most people are trying to look for the good in life. They're trying to live a good life. And so there's a point right there where we both have commonality um, and we're searching for the same kinds of things. So what I encourage students to do is to ask a lot of questions about what, you know, what do you, what do you mean by that when somebody says something and how do you know that, or where are you getting that from? And the, you know, now why do you believe that? So I I want them to ask more questions rather than feel the pressure of having to have all the answers. Because I think when you jump in too soon, you don't really help somebody because you don't really know them yet. You don't know what they're struggling with. You don't know who they are. You're just giving like a set you know, pat answers. And that goes back to what Claire asked me at the beginning about apologetics sometimes being viewed aggressively or harmful. And that can be that situation where you just try to jump in and tell the person what they believe. And then here's the answer to that. Instead of really trying to care for them and minister them and find out what they believe so you can aptly and effectively converse with them and minister to them. No, thank you. That's really helpful. I think it's really important to just yeah dignify people's questions and not, you know, like you, you mentioned something about us versus them. I think that's really, really important. Um, so I guess my final question to you then, Mary Jo, would be, I mean, I guess you created Darkroom because um, there, there has been a, a notif- noticeable decline of young people from the church. Uh, I guess post-pandemic, we're still, people have kind of left the faith because of suffering. Like you said is a big question. What can churches do? I mean, your resource is there, but what can churches do differently to kind of stem that um, exodus, I guess, from the church of young people? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, We need to understand what it is that is drawing them away from the church or what their aversion is. And one of them is they're disillusioned with the purpose of the church. So uh, especially with all the scandals and the high profile people leaving the church, they need to they don't know like what community church community is for. So uh, part of our role as uh, leaders in the church would be to teach them the purpose of church and then to be actively living that out in our individual lives as church members. So students, uh, Gen Z in particular, are looking for mentors in the church and people who are actually living out or trying to live out. They don't want you to be Mm -hmm. perfect. They just want to see a person who is actively trying to become Christ-like. And they want people in their lives who care personally for them and who are have that you know attention to the active um, transformation of their own lives. So those are the kinds of things that can really help Gen Z um, see that authenticity that we talk about and see the, you know, the value in being in church community is being around people who are actively conforming their lives to Christ. So I think those are the things that I would say... Um, you know, that can really help draw youth back to church data. It's not about more uh, activities or more show. It's yes. about what they need to see are real Christians devoted to mm. Christ uh, in their own personal lives. That's, um, that's an absolutely brilliant place to draw the conversation to a close, actually, Barry Joe. I think in a sense, just thank you for reminding us what it's, that is what it's all about uh, in so many in so many levels. So thank you for all that you've shared. It's been really fascinating. Again, 
having you on uh, on Pep Talk again. Encourage listeners to check out the link to Darkroom. We'll put a link in the show notes so you can click through and uh, explore this amazing resource that Mary Jo has been involved with. And also a big thank you to Claire for hopping into the hot seat and uh, and firing questions that I guess. It's been great to have uh, you with us, Claire. <laughs> and uh, we've got a couple more episodes with Claire as well. So if you've enjoyed today, do tune in again. We'll be back in two weeks' time with another guest and another episode of Pep Talk. So uh, meanwhile, thanks for listening and have a great uh, couple of weeks. Bye for now.